morning, everyone. Welcome to the February 27th meeting of the San Francisco County Transportation Authority Board. I am Raphael Mandelman. I chair this board. Our vice chair is Mirna Melgar. I want to thank Jeanette Egenloff from SFGovTV. Um, I also want to thank our clerk today, Yvette Lopez-Jessup. Madam Clerk, will you please call the roll? Present. Madam Clerk, can you speak into the mic, please? It'll help to turn on the mic. <laughs> Commissioner Stephanie. Stephanie is absent. Commissioner Walton. Commissioner Walton is present. We have quorum. Thank you, Madam Clerk. I think you have a public comment announcement for us. Yes. For members of the public interested in participating in this board meeting, we welcome your attendance here in person in the legislative chamber, room tip. 250 in City Hall, or you may watch cable channel 26 or 99, depending on your provider, or stream the meeting live at www.sfgovtv.org. For those wishing to make public comment remotely, the best way to do so is by dialing 415-655-0001, and when prompted, entering access code 2664-215-8026, and then press pound and pound again you will be able to listen to the meeting in real time. When public comment is called for the item you wish to speak on, press star three to be added to the queue to speak. Do not press star three again or you will be removed from the queue. When the system says your line is unmuted, the live operator will advise you that you will be allowed two minutes to speak. When your two minutes are up, we will move on to the next caller. Calls will be taken in the order in which they are received. Best practices are to speak slowly, clearly, and turn down the volume of any televisions or radios around you. Public comment for items on this agenda will be taken first from members of the public in attendance in the legislative chamber, and then afterwards from the remote speaker's queue on the telephone line. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Before calling our next item, as chair, I want to invoke Rule 3.26 from our Rules of Order to limit public comment per item to 30 minutes for today's meeting. Um, it's my intention to give each speaker two minutes on any given item unless I indica indicate otherwise when we call that item. Madam Clerk, will you please call our next item? Item two, Chair's Report. This is an information item. All right, colleagues, this month I have um, news to share on TJPA's portal project. We received great news from the Federal Transit Administration that the project has earned a medium-high rating under uh, the FTA's rigorous and highly competitive capital investment grant program. This score reflects the portal's overall performance and positions the project well for the potential award of just over $4 billion in federal funds from the Capital Investment Grant, or CIG, program. Now we await the FDA's recommendation on the project's entry into engineering, which will also set the maximum federal grant amount that TJPA can seek for the project. Um, many congratulations on this early positive news to uh, TJPA Executive Director Adam Vandewater and his team, um, as well as our own rail program manager Jesse Kaler and our multi-agency partners who've collaborated um, over the past three years to advance the project to this stage. Um, I am also pleased to congratulate the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency on receiving an $8 million federal Safe Streets for All grant for the Tenderloin Traffic Safety Improvements Project. Congratulations uh, and thank yous are due to our Speaker Emerita Pelosi, to Commissioner Preston, and the Tenderloin Traffic Safety Task Force uh, that advocated for the grant. US DO, the USDOT grant will fund a suite of projects in the Tenderloin where every street is on the high injury network. The projects to be delivered include signal improvements and other in intersection upgrades at 11 intersections on Larkin Street, street reconfiguration to make way for the Golden Gate Greenway, and bikeway protected corners at six intersections on Turk Street, Golden Gate Avenue, and Polk Street. Prop L will provide matching funds for this grant, making this a 
excellent example of how we leverage our sales tax dollars for much needed safe streets investments. Um, finally, riders appear to be responding positively to BART's efforts to improve service and focus on providing a clean, safe, and secure experience. Uh, the agency's latest survey indicates that BART's overall customer satisfaction has reached 81%. Um, so big congratulations to BART General Manager Bob Powers, the BART board led by current Chair Bevan Dufty and immediate past Chair Janice Lee, and all of the hardworking staff and operators who've been working to tackle service, safety, and cleanliness needs with our support. The Transportation Authority has provided BART with funding toward all these objectives. Um, from our state transit assistance funds that support downtown station elevator attendance, um, our Prop K and One Bay Area grant funds that have helped with modernizing stations and fixing elevators, and our Prop L funds that are helping to pay for improved fare gates at SF stations. Um, we look forward to continued effectiveness of BART's safe and clean plan and, our, and more infrastructure improvements to support BART and the city's economic recovery. And that's what I got. So thank you, folks. Um, if there are any questions or comments from colleagues, happy to take them. Seeing none, let's open this item to public comment. If there's anyone in the chamber who'd like to comment on item two, please come forward. And there isn't anyone. So let's see if we have any remote public comment on item two. Checking for a remote public comment on item two. There is no public comment. Public comment on item two is closed. Uh, Madam Clerk, please call item three. Item three, executive director's report. This is an information item. Good morning, chair, commissioners. Um, today, let me uh, echo as well, chair's kudos to BART on that great result. And uh, we continue to support projects such as the BART Fairgates that chair mentioned. I'll just note that in uh, late December, BART did test the, the new Farragate's prototypes uh, successfully at West Oakland. Um, and on January 11th, they announced the next eight stations to receive the new Farragate's, including within San Francisco, Civic Center, Montgomery, Powell, and 24th Street stations. So we're very excited uh, to see that happening this year, again, funded in part by our sales tax um, and one Bay Area grant funds. The new fare gates are taller and stronger with modern equipment that uh, have sensors, including the ability to detect strollers and luggage. Uh, they should re really improve the reliability and re reduce system downtime, improving the customer experience. Um, and be compatible with the next generation of Clipper. So again, thanks to our funding uh, policy and programming staff, we provided 12 and a half million toward this project for the San Francisco stations. Turning to some local studies, just a quick update um, that our eco-friendly downtown deliveries study is underway. Uh, last week, the team uh, led by Rachel Hyatt led, held their first meeting with a working group. Um, this would be lo local businesses, merchants, shippers, receivers, um, and uh, neighborhood and uh, other community groups. This is a study funded by the Carbon Neutral Cities Alliance grant to reduce emissions from the goods movement delivery sector. Uh, as you may recall, the Climate Action Plan uh, found that transportation activities account for almost half of our city's greenhouse gas emissions. And so the study does center on what can be done um, collaboratively with local businesses and, and shippers uh, together uh, with stakeholders to reduce emissions. This could include everything from bike delivery programs uh, already being piloted by SF Environment um, uh, with digital curb management that SFMTA is working on and delivery hubs to increase the efficiency of, of goods delivery. Uh, there's ways to, as, as well, we believe, incentivize reductions uh, from vehicles in this fleet and to promote zero carbon modes. So uh, please look out for recommendations later this spring and summer, and I really appreciate the participation of all those folks in our working group. Next, um, I know we'll be seeing a, a District 1 presentation later today, so I'll, I'll leave that for later, but there will be some upcoming um, outreach in that uh, upcoming District 1 multimodal transportation study. Um, open, uh, open house, this will be a town hall scheduled for March 21st from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at Golden Gate Park Senior Center at 6101 Fulton Street. And so please look out for that. 
We've also been seeing great project delivery on 19th Avenue. So 19th Avenue signal phase three update. Um, the safety projects there are substantially complete. This would be following on uh, prior phases along 19th Avenue to improve the signals that would include the uh, infrastructure with pole relocation, signal head upgrades, pole box replacements, and new traffic signal installations. Um, 19th Avenue at Moraga, Wawona, Sloat, and Winston were completed substantially in January of 2024. So thank you to SFMTA for that great work. Um, and this is again a, a coordinated project with the city and Caltrans, which uh, owns 19th Avenue as Highway 1. And the project is funded by our half cent sales tax as well. On the quick build front, um, this is uh, work MTA is doing around town, including construction that began on Lincoln Way um, from the Great Highway to Arguello Boulevard in January. MTA expects to complete that work by spring. And they've also been uh, busy hosting a virtual open house for the Third Street quick build project. And the designs there are proposed as a two-way protected bikeway connecting Third Street between Townsend and the Bay Trail. Uh, and the SFMTA recently completed the final improvements to the 5th Street corridor quick build between Market and Townsend Street. Uh, so we appreciate that work. Uh, this set of projects, the quick build program, is funded by our sales tax and Prop AA vehicle registration fees, as well as the Prop D TNC tax funds. And on the planning side, we've been able to apply for a few Caltrans planning grants that we're excited and hopeful for. These are the Caltrans Sustainable Transportation Planning Grants. Um, so we've applied for a Bayview Street Safety and Truck Relief Study for about 450000 uh, And there we'll be con uh, collaborating with the community as well as building on the other community-based transportation work that's already been um, initiated by SFMTA. And we're also partnered with the Metropolitan Transportation Commission on a $500,000 study to, again, look at the freeway corridor transit and carpool lanes in, in the southeast sector on 101 and 280. And both applications are recommendations from the streets and freeway study from Connect SF and our own countywide plan. Finally, um, just wanted to acknowledge that we have a new member of our team. Stephen Chun has joined us as our new director of communications. Stephen, if you'll please say hello. Uh, we've been <laughs> pleased to... Uh, snag him from the SFMTA, where he most recently served as acting chief spokesperson and media relations manager. Prior to that, I had actually met Stephen, along with Eric Young, our former comms director, on the 101, uh, US 101 Alamany Deck Replacement Project, where he had served as the project information, uh, public information officer, excuse me, for Caltrans District 4. So uh, he comes to us with a wealth of experience, both from those two, um, those two organizations, as well as serving as a traffic reporter with various radio stations and a, nearly a decade of experience uh, working with media relations and community-based groups. He's very active in the nonprofit world and the local community-based nonprofits. And I think you just helped MC the Chinatown Parade, if I'm not mistaken. So, Definite uh, grace under pressure as you have to fill time. <laughs> I think he did a little bit of- interviewing each of us about every aspect of our districts with the parade ground to a halt. Nice job, Stephen. <laughs> Thank you, Chair. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> um, good work, Stephen. We're, we're glad to have you. Um, if there's any- uh, comments or questions from colleagues? Um, let's open item three to public comment. Good morning, commissioners. Just a quick comment on the BART Fairgate. Uh, before we install them in San Francisco, we should fix a couple things. First of all, the installation in West Oakland was really a mess. It was extremely negative for riders. It basically took the station down to a single fare gate for a week. There needs to be a better plan when we install here in the city. Two, uh, the gates have been a bit rider hostile. Let me explain how. They close very quickly. So if you're trying to get through with kids, good luck. If you're trying to get through with a bike, good luck. It's difficult. The timing needs to get fixed on the gates. And three, they crash whenever Windows updates. That has to get fixed. That's just silly, right? Like, software update shouldn't be crashing our fare gates. So let's fix these problems before we install in San Francisco. Thank you very much. 
Thank you. I don't see any more public comment in the chamber, so let's see if we have any remote public comment on item three. Checking for remote public comment on item three. There is no public comment. Uh, public comment on item three is closed. What kind of, um, what is the mechanism for us to communicate with BART about their fair gains? Or for members of the public? I mean, I assume they could just go to BART and say you have a problem with your fair gains, but. We're funding the uh, project, so we'll follow up. Pardon? We're, we're funding the project, so we will follow up and confirm. I, I do use the fair gates at West Oakland, and so we'll make sure to check on that. Okay, all right, thank you. Uh, Madam Clerk, please call item four. Item four, approve the minutes of the February 27th, 2024 meeting. This is an action item. All right, I don't see comments or questions from colleagues. Is there any public comment on item four? Uh, I don't see any in the chamber. Is there any remote public comment on item four? Checking for remote public comment on item four. There is no public comment. Uh, public comment on item four is closed. Is there a motion to approve item four? Moved by Dorsey, seconded by Peskin. Um, Madam Clerk, please call the roll. Commissioner Chan. Chan, aye. Commissioner Dorsey? Dorsey, aye. Commissioner Engardio? Engardio, aye. Chair Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. Vice Chair Melgar? Melgar, aye. Commissioner Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston? Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan? Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai? Safai, aye. Commissioner Stephanie? Stephanie, aye. Commissioner Walton? Commissioner Walton, aye. We have 11 ayes. The motion is approved. Uh, thank you, Madam Clerk. Could you please call our consent agenda? Items five through nine comprise the consent agenda. Staff is not planning to present on these items, but is available for questions. Um, I don't see any comments or questions. Is there a motion to approve the consent agenda? by uh, Preston, seconded by Dorsey, um, and I think we can take that same house, same call without objection, the motion passes. And Madam Clerk, can you please call item 10? Item 10, um, this is a final approval to appoint Kate, Kat Siegel and Venicia Margarita as the District 5 and District 9 representatives respectively to the Community Advisory Committee. This is an action item. Thank you, Madam Clerk. And I, normally this, I think, would be on the consent agenda, but I believe we wanted to give uh, Venicia Margarita the opportunity to talk to us. And we have Amelia Wally um, here to present. Yes, good morning. Um, thank you, Chair Mandelman. Good morning, Commissioners. Um, as you may recall, the Board approved the appointments of Kat Siegel for District 5 representative and Venicia Margarita as the District 9 representative for CAC at the first reading um, a couple weeks ago here, February 13th meeting. Kat Siegel appeared at the last meeting, and today we have Vanessa Margarita here to speak to her interests and qualifications. Um, she'll be joining remotely, and this action today is the final approval of these appointments. Thank you. Um, so do we have uh, Vanessa Margarita? Yes, buenos dias. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> buenos dias. Good morning, Chair Mandelman, Vice Chair Melgar and Commissioner Ronan and Board Commissioners. My name is Venecia Margarita, and I am humbled by the opportunity of being a representative on the Community Advisory Committee for the San Francisco County Transportation Authority. I am a lifelong resident of San Francisco, and I've had the honor of working in the community as a social worker, community organizer, counselor, mediator, and volunteer wearing many different hats for over 30 plus years. I'm very grateful and honored to be appointed by Commissioner Ronan to be on this advisory committee, and I will do my very best to uplift the voices of community members and represent the community and their transportation needs. Thank you very much. Gracias. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Ronan. Thank you so much, and colleagues, um, just like I, I said last week, 
Um, as you've heard from Vanessa Margarita today, she is a longtime San Francisco resident with years of experience in the Mission and Portola communities as a social worker and community organizer. My office and I have worked with Vanessa for years in the community, and I can confidently speak to her integrity, dedication, and collaborative spirit. Vanessa is bilingual, serves on several community boards, and is well-versed on the issues facing District 9 residents, especially our low-income and immigrant transit riders. We are fortunate to have her join the CAC, and I am so happy uh, to be able to vote on her appointment today and ask you uh, to join me in confirming her appointment. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Ronan. We should open this item to public comment. If there's anyone in the chamber who'd like to talk to us about item 10, please come forward. Um, and I don't see anybody, so let's see if there's any remote public comment on item 10. Checking for remote public comment on item 10. There is no public comment. All right, public comment on item 10 is closed. Commissioner Ronan, would you like to move approval of item 10? And Commissioner Preston, would you like to second that? Thank you. And I think that we can take that same house, same call, without objection. The motion passes. Congratulations and thank you, Ms. Margarita. Um, and Madam Clerk, please call item 11. Item 11, major capital project update, Caltrain moder modernization program. This is an information item. And we are joined by Caltrain Executive Director Michelle Bouchard. Great. Thank you, Chair Mandelman, Vice Chair Melgar, Commissioners. So great to be able to present this item to you. I think this may be uh, one of the few remaining updates to this body that we'll be providing on the electrification program. Um, before I introduce Casey Fromson, Caltrain's Chief of Staff, who will give the bulk of the presentation, I really did just want to thank so much um, the support, collaboration, and partnership of this board, uh, especially Supervisor Walton, who sits on the JPB, and certainly SFCTA staff, who have been just great support um, for the railroad in general, but in particular for this project. Um, I am going to uh, steal a little bit of Casey's thunder uh, in her presentation. She's going to give you an update of where we've been since we were last reporting to this body. Um, we've essentially finished the infrastructure construction, so that includes all of the poles and wires, um, and we are currently working through testing on the traction power system. We do have uh, half, roughly half of the traction power system up and running, and it has been used to uh, do all of the testing for eight of the electric multiple unit trains that are on property, so four of them are fully tested. Uh, and that is going extremely well. I think that's a testament of the quality of the product of these trains and the, the customers are really going to love them. Um, we had a preview of how much we think they're gonna love them in two events that we hosted in San Jose and in San Francisco and we were so proud to see many of you at those events. Um, I think we had in excess of 8,000 people coming out and I think universally we received great feedback uh, and can't wait to uh, have those trains in revenue service in, uh, in September of 2024. So we're really coming down to the wire, so to speak. Um, we, uh, again, want to thank you for your support. Uh, we do have a few more uh, events that uh, Casey will talk to you about. So uh, what I'll do is I'll hand the microphone over to her. So again, appreciate taking the time with us today. Hello, everyone. Casey Fromson, Chief of Staff. Thanks for having us here today. Um, we can finally say we're in the year of electrification, 2024. So thank you for so many of you that have been with us on this very long journey. Um, and it is not timed on purpose, but this is also Caltrain's 160th anniversary as well. So it's a fitting way to kind of move into really the next phase of Caltrain's uh, future. A reminder, we're gonna get rid of all of our diesel trains, and we have 30-year-old diesel trains out there right now between San Francisco and San Jose. They will all be electric, and then there's lots of different infrastructure that goes in place to support those new electric trains. As Michelle mentioned, since we last met with you, we've now completed much of the infrastructure, 3,000 poles, 2,500, oh, sorry, 3,000 foundations for the poles, and that was digging into a very old right-of-way, uh, 2,500 poles, the traction power facilities, the overhead wire, 
upgraded the signal system at 31 different crossings, and we've energized part of the corridor right now. It's 15 miles between San Jose and San Francisco, and that's where we're testing the trains right now. They have to have a thousand miles of, it's called burn-in, um, testing before they can put be put into service, and we need to do that with every single train. And so we're starting to do that um, as they come onto the property, and working with our first responders up and down the corridor too to make sure that they understand what a new electrified environment uh, looks like when they interact with it and work with us. For upcoming uh, items, we do need to do some repairs from the winter storm damage. We have trees that are lining our corridor and we work closely on our right of way and with cities next to it to minimize those risks. But as many people know, you know, the storms that we've experienced over the last couple years are pretty significant. And so we're redoubling our efforts on that and addressing the, the storm damage we had from the last storm uh, about a month ago. We're gonna energize the entire corridor in the springtime and then we can test trains up and down the corridor and then we'll continue to get these trains on property. We'll have a soft launch, so we'll have an event that we will absolutely be reaching out to you to make sure you're aware of for the first train ride on the corridor and that's likely in the summer time frame. and then we'll start to have the public ride it and then it will be fully turned over with the brand new schedule that I'll talk about in September of this year. We always like to be transparent with our funding partners, so here's the top risk for the project right now. Contractor quality, theft of impedance bond cables, the contractor overhead contact system productivity, traction power energization, and timely completion of this. These are the top items that we are most focused on right now and monitoring it closely. Um, we have a whole team dedicated to this because we want to see this successfully launched this year. Right now we are on budget and we expect to be so. But again, here's details for anyone that's so interested in it. Where we are with contingency right now, is you can see the dollar amount in the bottom right-hand corner, we have roughly $42 million left of contingency. This is a healthy amount, but we still have a, some complicated, challenging portions of the project left. We need to make sure everything is synced up and working well together with the trains and the infrastructure. And so while um, we are happy this is the amount that's left, we're not counting our eggs yet. We need to get to the end of the project and we wanna make sure that we do so successfully. Uh, we have some updated service information since when we last met with you. We've put forward what we believe will be a really robust and useful service plan for riders up and down the corridor. Because of the capability of the electric trains, they are able to get to places faster. Even though we'll be going the same speed, it's really the performance of the trains that we get the benefit from. So we expect to have a service that will have an express service from San Francisco to San Jose in under an hour. You can't beat that. Um, driving even today with slightly left traffic than pre-pandemic. And then the local service is where you really start to see it. So as the trains accelerate and deaccelerate at stations, even the local service that touches every single one of our stations, you'll save 25 minutes off of what that route looks like from today. And that's a meaningful difference for someone going up and down the corridor. And then even down in Santa Clara County, where we're not electrifying, because we'll have a nice transfer at San Jose, as they go north, and we know many of them do go farther into the electrified area, they will see significant savings too. So even in the, un the area that we are not electrifying, we have support for those communities because they understand how it's connected and how we're doing a, a well-timed system that's going to benefit them. And in the future, we do have plans to have a zero emission train run down there. We have funding for the state to do so. The other side of the cord, people wanna get there faster, but they also wanna see more frequent service. And we're also gonna provide that. Instead of during the off peak today, you have a train once an hour, which is very difficult for anyone to plan their schedule around for on the weekends or off peak with an electrified service. At a minimum, it will be every half an hour for people. So that is more of a show up and go system. And that is a real meaningful change for our riders that we know when we were talking about our service plans that we heard the most feedback and support from of seeing that change. Um, it will feel like 20% more service for everyone and then 26% more at equity priority stations. And then the experience is the other side of the coin. And so we're gonna have a great experience where there'll be Wi-Fi on board, smooth, quiet, outlets at every seat, digital information, spacious bathrooms, and then of course we're gonna have a much cleaner environment for everyone. Um, 
I pass out a fact sheet so you have this information as well, but we wanted to put it in real terms for riders. You know, what does this look like, this type of service? And you can see San Francisco is our busy busiest station and it's our starting point, so it gets all of our service today. But some of the other stations, like 22nd Street Station, is going to see an increase in service. And again, on the weekends, it's going to be double the amount of service. And so we're starting to get the word out, and we appreciate your help on that as well with your constituents. This is an exciting time for us, and we want to make sure people know that this is a great new option for them to be considering about as they plan their travel, whether it's for social events or to work or school or family events. As Michelle mentioned, we've had over 8,000 people want to come to see the new trains. We had an event in San Jose. The last one it was in San Francisco. Again, thank you for the many members of this body that came to it as well. Um, we have posters from the local artist that was there at the events as well. We left some with staff, so if anyone would like some, um, it's just a great celebration and a way for people to touch and feel and see what the future of Caltrain is going to look like. And so we do plan to have one more in San Mateo County, likely on National Train Day, which is May. 11th and then we're going to continue to have more events as we get closer to that September time. We welcome your input and suggestions on that of how to generate excitement and what else we can do. Um, it's exciting time for us but we know that you all are a wealth of resource and we look forward to that continued partnership of what we can do to promote and share um, the exciting news about Caltrain's modernization. Setting aside electrification just for a moment, one other kind of factual um, piece of information about Caltrain overall. We know that this body is paying close attention to this. And for Caltrain, we still are having challenges on the fiscal side and largely um, due to ridership. And so we are not at the levels we were pre-pandemic. Um, and that is important to us because pre-pandemic, nearly 75% of our operating revenue came from fares and the system that we had. And because we're not at that same level anymore, you can see on the right-hand side that we do have a fiscal cliff or fiscal challenges. Those don't take place until calendar year 2025. And as of right now, working with our regional partners at MTC, we expect to reduce that deficit to only $8 million. But you can see in the outer years that we still roughly have a $50 million deficit that we need to figure out how to, to fund. So we're certainly working with this body and others about a regional measure and other creative solutions to help us um, continue to be a, a system that can serve all of the communities up and down the corridor. Some of the things that we're doing is even today, we have revised schedules that are more convenient, doing regional coordination. We have a, a program that we're providing free passes to low income and equity priority community riders based on a program that um, excess passes from our business partners. We've been doing different fair promotions. Right now we have a dollar youth fair that's very popular and several other ones that we've been trying to, to make sure we get people onto the train to see what a good experience it is. And then once they're on there, we know that they have a good experience. We've consistently had very high positive feedback about the experience on Caltrain pre-pandemic and throughout the pandemic. And then finally, uh, cost containment. You know, certainly we know there's things that we need to do to tighten our belt. Everything from using today's smaller train sets, scheduling efficiencies, reduced overtime, and the grand one that, that we really are leaning into is electrification. We have a marketing team in place, and again, working with the many partners up and down the corridor, uh, we're going to promote what a transformation this is and that we hope and expect to see more riders in the future. And with that, we are happy to take any questions. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Walton. Thank you, Chair Mellon. I just want to thank uh, Director Bouchard and her entire Caltrain team for all their hard work on electrification and for doing everything they can to make sure that we are going to be up and running by the September anticipated date in this time where we hear a lot of negative consequences because of the pandemic, particularly around transportation. This is most certainly something to be excited about. So I want to thank you all for your hard work and your commitment. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, let's open this item to public comment. If there's anyone in the chamber who'd talk, like to talk to us about item 11, please come forward. Good morning, Commissioners. Um, this is an incredibly exciting project. I think we've all heard the word exciting a lot around this. You're not going to stop hearing it. Um, these train sets are absolutely amazing. I had the pleasure of living in Switzerland for a long time where they have the Stadler Kiss, which is the precursor to the Stadler, or sorry, the Flirt, which was the precursor to the Stadler Kiss that we're all going to get. It's an amazing train. Uh, looking forward to it. Thank you to Caltrain staff for presenting. 
I just want to bring up a very small issue that was in the staff report that uh, was not covered in the presentation. The staff report in the risk section mentions the release of sulfur hexafluoride. And the good news is that sulfur uh, uh, hexafluoride is inert and it's not dangerous to humans, but it is a very powerful greenhouse gas. It's 23,000 times more powerful than carbon dioxide. Uh, and the report is unclear if these releases are happening already or it's just a risk for them to happen. It's unclear how big the releases would be and it's unclear if there's any remediation happening. Um, the releases uh, are a risk because of improperly installed equipment, uh, unfortunately, in the traction power houses. So uh, it would just be great to get a better understanding of what remediation is happening. Um, it would be very unfortunate if our newly electrified and much better rail system, which is going to be much greener in general, was also releasing sulfur hexafluoride uh, into the environment. So thank you very much. Thank you. Let's see if we have any remote public comment on this item. Checking for remote public comment on item open. Hi caller, you're two minutes now. Good morning, Commissioner um, Jose. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Um, the biggest concern um, right now I'd like to bring to your attention is that the seven-car train configuration is not compatible with post-COVID ridership trends. The end result is a waste in excess of $10 million a year caused by excessive maintenance, wear and tear, and staff costs, which eventually will accelerate the impending fall of the fiscal cliff. Director Heminger has been very vocal about this issue since last November when Bart announced that they would be saving in excess of $20 million a year by running shorter trains when appropriate. The solution is very simple. Transition to four-car trains of peak coupled to four eight-car trains um, during peak and special events, just like Muni and just like every single operator in Europe. Uh, in closing, I would respectfully urge you to reach out to the Caltrain board and MTC and get Caltrain staff um, to address this issue once and for all. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Moving on to the next caller. Hi, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Great. Thanks so much. Uh, thanks to the board and thanks to Caltrain for this wonderful project. I live in, uh, my name is Mike Squire. I live in San Mateo County, and I've been an on and off again um, Caltrain commuter up to the city for 20 plus years. Um, as you know, uh, commuters have a choice between driving um, and other commute modes. And when I made the decision to take Caltrain, it was because um, it was certainly uh, not as fast as driving, but it was certainly more comfortable, and I was willing to put up with the extra time in the commute um, for environmental, but also uh, reasons that it was not that much extra time. And I'm encouraged that speeds will increase and commute times will improve on Caltrain. But again, this is a competition between Caltrain and uh, the 101 and 280 highways immediately adjacent to it. And I'd hope that, um, while we're spending $2.5 billion on a project which is gonna make Caltrain more competitive, that we don't shoot ourselves in the foot and simultaneously try to make driving more competitive by widening the highway, uh, both 101 in San Mateo County and 280 in San Francisco. Um, uh, I fear that that's something that we've already done. Uh, San Mateo County widened 101 in many places, trying to make it easier to drive. And as a res um, I believe that's one of the reasons that we've seen Caltrain have the lowest post-pandemic ridership recovery of any transit agency in the Bay Area. It just doesn't make sense that we're spending all this money to make um, encourage people to take the train and make it more competitive, and simultaneously we're spending money to encourage people to leave the train and instead get in their cars. Um, ultimately, with uh, Caltrain's high fare box recovery, 
we're just going to have to more greatly subsidize it in the end in it's a vicious circle. So thanks again for a great project. I look forward to using the trains and let's um, spend our scarce dollars on uh, making it more attractive for people to take the train as opposed to driving. Thank you. Thank you, Claire. Hi, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Thank you. Is Caltrain attempting to market the new service to the South Bay tech companies that provide disruptive neighborhood tech shuttles and to encourage the employees to utilize this new service? Uh, it just seems uh, counterintuitive that we have this wonderful new service and it's being duplicated by the tech companies uh, utilizing their enormous buses in neighborhoods uh, in San Francisco. Thank you. Thank you, caller. There is no more public comment. All right, public comment on item 12, I mean item 11 rather, is closed. Um, and uh, thank you, uh, Director Bouchard. Um, uh, and thank you uh, to um, Casey Fromson as well. And let's call our next item, Madam Clerk. Item 12, District 1 Multimodal Transportation Study Update. This is an information item. And we have received public comment for this item, which is posted on the agency website. Good morning, commissioners. Uh, my name is Elisa Paz, principal planner with the Transportation Authority. I'll be giving an update on the District 1 multimodal transportation study. The project was, hmm? thank you. The project was requested by Commissioner Chan and is funded by our Transportation Authority's neighborhood program. We're focusing on residential trip making to develop near-term concepts to improve safety and neighborhood connectivity and a set of long-term concepts that support mode shift and greenhouse gas reductions within District 1. We did our first round of outreach in the spring of 2023. We got nearly 600 survey responses and did community events and presentations throughout the district. We did notice um, underrepresentation in survey responses from the Asian and youth um, communities, um, and we're um, working to address um, that lower turnout in this upcoming round of outreach, which we're currently in the process of. The first round of outreach helped us understand um, transportation priorities and challenges and also guided the concept development that we're bringing to the public in this upcoming round. Um, there are seven concepts. Um, four are neighborhood circulation and safety concepts, and three are district-wide mode shift concepts, and I'll go through each of those. The first concept is on Geary. This is the full corridor of Geary. Um, the concept would improve transit stops with rider amenities, shelters, lighting, um, seating. Um, this would also be closely coordinated with um, the MTA's Geary Improvement Project, and this goes to address feedback that we heard around personal security concerns, particularly when waiting for transit in the early mornings, evening, um, and late night hours. The next concept is on Cabrillo. Um, this is, again, the full corridor. Um, and it includes bike improvements as well as pedestrian safety improvements. For bike improvements, it would be upgrading the, green, the bike lanes to green bike lanes um, and including conflict markings. Um, at pedestrian, the pedestrian improvements are at all intersections. This is high visibility crosswalks, um, bulb outs, and um, hardened center lines, which you can see in the thumbnail um, in the top right. These um, help slow speeds of turning vehicles and also keep a wider radius. Um, for vehicles turning and keep pedestrians more visible. The next concept is on the inner Richmond portion of Balboa between Park Presidio and Arguello. This includes those um, same pedestrian treatments at intersections as well as a transit platform at 6 and, six and Balboa. Um, this is a commercial um, hub on Balboa, so giving more space for all of the pedestrian activity and transit riders. This would also be paired with rider um, transit stop amenities. 
The next concept is on Fulton. Um, this is from 22nd um, out to 48th. Uh, there's multiple um, elements of this concept. This aims to improve safety for people crossing Fulton, improve access to Golden Gate Park, transit reliability, and personal security. The concept has high visibility crosswalks across Fulton and all the avenues where they're not already in place. And there's also pedestrian islands, which you can see in the, in the thumbnail. And um, this helps slow vehicle speeds and provides two-stage crossing for folks to make it across the full width of Fulton. Um, at unsignalized locations, this, we would also recommend installing rectangular rapid flashing beacons. Those give that added um, warning to drivers that there is pedestrian activity in the intersection. Um, daylighting to, again, make uh, the intersections more <clears throat> visible. And then adding bus platforms, transit shelters, and other rider amenities. Also on Fulton, we're recommending relocating the bike connection from 23rd to 22nd. Um, 22nd Avenue provides a direct connection into Golden Gate Park. I'm at the intersection of 22nd and Fulton. This would have pedestrian safety improvements as well as bike improvements um, for wayfinding and clear markings and then working with Rec Park, um, kind of expanding the entrance into Golden Gate Park to make this a, you know, a wide walkway that can accommodate all the transit, bike, and pedestrian activity. I'm gonna shift into our neighbor, uh, district-wide uh, mode shift concepts. The first is a north-south express bus service. Um, we heard that the peninsula is um, the main, or the most popular, most common destination outside of San Francisco for District 1 residents. Um, this concept elevates SamTrans express bus feasibility study recommendation for express bus service um, on the west side to the peninsula. We're also recommending curb management um, studies for commercial corridors. There's four commercial corridors, um, two on Clement, Geary, and Balboa. Um, and this would help make space for the movement of people and goods at the curb and reduce conflicts between the many uses on the commercial corridors. The last concept that we're recommending is for mobility hubs. Um, mobility hubs are where the multiple transportation options come together and are paired with different rider amenities and land uses to make transfers more easy. Um, the concept would identify priority locations. You can see seven potential locations within District 1 that staff has identified. Um, and it would also develop guidance on design and amenities to be included at each location. As I mentioned, we're doing our second round of outreach now through the end of March. We'll have, uh, we have a survey live on our website and we'll also be doing community events um, throughout the month of March. There is more information on the website, which I can't quite read. It's sfcta.org slash d1-study. And then, how do I, uh, ah. Um, and then for next steps, we are gonna be refining our concepts based on what we hear from the public in this round of outreach and have a final plan in the summer, which we will bring back to both CAC and board for approval. And that concludes my slides. Thank you, Commissioner Chan. Thank you, Chair Mandelman. I first just want to really thank um, Elisa Paz and um, Daniela Ripple uh, from the TA and working with, uh, I also want to give a shout out to Angelina, you on my team, just working together like for this uh, entire year. Um, and I'm just so grateful. I am a lay person when it comes to um, especially transit issues like transit planning and what are the options for us to make the Richmond more walkable, bikeable, but really um, thinking about both on a short term what we can do, but also long term to get us there to um, be less reliant on our um, cars, but more for really transit uh, and, and how do we get around. So, um, but thanks to your expertise um, and really patience and trying to hear me out and, and hear out like our community and thinking about how we can do that it's just an amazing uh, I, I'm just so grateful and it's just in a, such an amazing plan um, that it, both considering what we can do in, on an immediate term to make um, the Richmond safer for people to travel around on uh, corridors like Cabrillo and Fulton as well as on Gary Boulevard I'm just so grateful but also to be able to think about um, you know immediately from north-south um, uh, connections uh, to 
out of the district and what really people need for, their, for the people who live in the district but working outside of San Francisco and outside the district. Uh, I'm also really, really grateful uh, to think about a very innovative idea like the mobility hub. Um, the mobility hub and having those locations but really start bringing us to a space where we can start thinking about um, transit and travel in a way that is um, like diver with diverse options. And I think that's really the future, is that to have those options on the table and, and being able to um, make it work for people with all different needs and ages and, and, and um, including those with the, who are seniors with disabilities. And that, so I just um, am so grateful. But also, I'm also grateful for the fact that you heard us, um, that uh, you look at the responses and you say there are still needs for those young people who are our future um, transit riders. How can we help them really hear them out and as we plan for the future? And then, but at the same time, to understand the population um, that currently lives in the Richmond, including the Asian American populations, that is not really reflective uh, in answering the survey. So to go the extra mile to make sure that we get those uh, response and feedback. Um, I am just so pleased and thank you so much for hearing us out and as a community um, and working with us and so patient too. Um, but most importantly is that willing to bridge the gap between um, what people need at this moment and but also bringing your expertise to the table to really help facilitate that and bring the and, and tweak the design and tweak the, um, the think, thinking around how we can make it work. And I just wanted to also, you know, pin the, the thought about really um, the commercial corridor about loading zone is something that to again to think about um, the, the Richmond not just for one population but also in consideration of small businesses so that our community are not pitted against each other in its holistic and comprehensive um, study and planning. I really am excited and colleagues I, I hope that as we move forward and finalize this study and that clearly actually if you look through this design there are things that we can invest both immediately and for the future. I hope to have your support and when we think about potentially allocating funding um, in, in, the, in the near future that we can consider to see that um, helping the Richmond to become a model of a neighborhood um, to, to make it more walkable and bikeable and, and also utilizing transit. So thank you, Chair, um, and thank you, colleagues, for allowing us to also allocate this funding to do this study. Thank you for, so much for your support. Thank you, Commissioner Chan. Uh, let's open this item to public comment. Good morning, commissioners. I promise I won't make a habit of this. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff in this study. Uh, thank you to SFCTA staff uh, for creating it. Uh, I do want to encourage you to be a little more aggressive on some of it, but let's start with the good. The long distance north-south bus service would be amazing. SFMTA conducted a study during the pandemic that showed a huge number of commuters were underserved on the north-south route going into San Mateo and that this was a large part of the resistance to closure of the Great Highway and just concern in general over north-south traffic. So that would be massive. Two, ball bouts and boarding islands are great. It would be wonderful to have them everywhere on transit corridors. Three, hardened center lines are so important from a pedestrian safety standpoint. Thank you very much. I would love to see the Fulton treatment go all the way to Arguello. We just had a pedestrian fatality at Fulton in Arguello. Uh, there's not a good reason to stop out at 22nd. Let's fix that whole corridor. Let's lower the speed to 25, which is much safer for pedestrians. And let's consider a transit lane for the five Fulton. Uh, two, where are the bike lanes? Uh, I couldn't help but note that one of the bike uh, projects on Turk was removed between the CAC presentation and this presentation. Why was that lane removed? I'm curious if SFCTA thinks the bike infrastructure in D1 is currently sufficient. Um, the only bike lane project that's currently listed is to paint an existing lane green, but there's no protection added. And then finally, I really like the idea of the multimodal um, hubs. Uh, I am a little concerned, though, that they could become a reason to build lots and lots of EV charging parking. And so how do we balance 
the need for some public EV charging with also the need to not create a new reason to create lots and lots of parking in the city. Thank you very much. Let's see if we have any remote public comment on item 12. Checking for remote public comment on item 12. Hi caller, your two minutes begins now. Good morning, Commissioners. My name is Leon Chang. I'm a parent in D1. Um, thank you for the opportunity to comment today. Um, I read the, the presentation with interest. Um, the um, first thing I want to mention is that express long-distance north-south north -south bus starting from the west side. Um, I guess when I saw it, it would be a game-changer both for non-drivers like me to open up new geographies and for drivers to actually um, begin to mode shift if they're, they're commuting daily for work. Um, I was also glad to see that daylighting was called called out in a number of um, in a number of places in the presentation. I just hope that in D1 and throughout the city, those red curves will be always 20 feet long as specified by um, AB 413 and not 10 feet. Um, on Fulton, I was glad to see um, some of these pedestrian safety improvements that are effective and yet inexpensive. And glad to see them proposed from 22nd to 48th, but also want to see them all the way, um, the whole length of Fulton, all the way down to Arguello. Um, I've only been involved in uh, street safety advocacy for a few years, but I've already been to three vigils between Fulton and Arguello alone, including, of course, one for our elder who was killed a few weeks ago in the crosswalk um, at that intersection. Um, and of course, we know that most of Fulton and most of Arguello are on the high injury network. So I think it's it's really important to, to think of all of Fulton and, and think of, um, uh, you know, bringing all of those improvements uh, the whole way. Um, on the D1 multimodal transit study in general, I've, I've given feedback to it by a survey and at a town hall event, and I've been like really impressed by the staff work on this, but at the same time, um, you know, it's sad to me to see the timeline on this being so long, and I wonder if, you know, we had just been making improvements and doing things that we would know and make on Thank you, caller. full time um, instead of asking for more studies. Thank you, caller. There is no more public comment. All right. Public comment on item 12 is closed. Commissioner Chan. Thank you. I just uh, wanted to be on the record and say, you know, the TA staff has been great and uh, just uh, also respond to the public commenters and some of the feedback. Um, you know, I, I think that the mobility study is actually also very uh, smart in a way that is really um, understanding what is going on uh, currently with SFMTA's projects that's including the photon treatments that is currently happening, particularly is um, to really uh, it, it really should have been done a, a while ago, and so it's unfortunate that we did have a tragic uh, pedestrian death at Aguero and Fulton. Uh, we know that the Fulton treatment needs to be completed, and that is SFMTA is on it. Um, but with that understanding, though, we're also grateful for the discussion that we just had in this last meeting at the TA about speed camera. And there are going to be three uh, actually coming to the Richmond. We just had a um, meeting with SFMTA and our captain um, from the Richmond, Captain Chris Canning, to really talk about enforcement and thinking about more strategically how to place those speed camera that is uh, coordinate in the coordinate effort with uh, traffic enforcement that uh, sp uh, specifically around speed uh, traffic enforcement to um, all throughout the entire district. So there will be a speed camera also um, strategically placed on Fulton and Gary. Um, and of course, we're definitely thinking about the bike lane and clearly um, there was also a tragic death uh, for the um, cyclist just last year. And thanks to assembly member Filting, the district actually uh, with coordination with supervisor or commissioner Stephanie that we received uh, over a million dollars to implement a bike lane on Aguero um, uh, from the entrance of uh, uh, Presidio all the way out to um, Fulton. So uh, that's in the works. And so um, that's also the one reason why I think that it give us some thinking about what we could do in a more comprehensive way uh, to think about bike lane in the Turk Street area uh, with uh, Fulton and Aguero, that triangle right there. Um, 
also, the, just a quick reminder that both Cup Rio, we're very proud. I mean, we have Cup Rio and 23rd, even though Lake Street is the most controversial slow streets ever um, in the Richmond. Uh, we do actually have Cabrillo and uh, 23rd are both slow streets. It's the reason why we're strategically placing the entrance, um, bicycling entrance uh, on the 22nd into uh, Golden Gate Park. So just wanted to round those up uh, about, you know, things that are actually beyond the mobility study um, that you actually see today uh, that SFMTA and RTA staff are working together on. And, and for that, again, I'm very uh, thankful for the coordination. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Chan. Um, and uh, thank, thanks to uh, uh, the CTA for your work on this item. And Madam Clerk, please call our next item. Item 13, internal account report, investment report, and debt expenditure report for the six months ending December 31st, 2023. This is an information item. Cynthia Fong. Um, thank you for your introductions. Um, good morning, everyone. Cynthia Fong, Deputy Director for Finance and Administration. This is the second quarterly update for fiscal year 24. Uh, as of December 31st, 2023, we had total assets of 175 million, total liabilities of 307.8 million. Um, this 307.8 million also includes our outstanding 2017 sales tax revenue bond of 211 million. Total revenues uh, amounted to 75 million, and 54 million of that represents our sales tax revenue, which is close to our target for the midpoint of the year. Total expenditures are 78.7 million, and in terms of our treasury, in terms of our investment compliance, uh, we hold approximately 32% in the treasury pool. Uh, this is in compliance with our California government code and the TA's investment policies. Uh, we have sufficient liquidity to um, pay our uh, expenditures for the next six months with the help of our revolving loan credit agreement that we may be drawing upon during this fiscal year for the very first time. Um, in terms of this item, this item was uh, presented to the CAC and there was no questions or comments related to this item. Uh, with that, I'm happy to take any questions anyone may have. I do not see any, so we will take public comment on this item. Uh, I don't see anybody in the chamber. Do we have any remote public comment? Checking for remote public comment on item 13. There is no public comment. All right, uh, public comment on uh, item 13 is closed. Thank you, Deputy Director Fong. Madam Clerk, please call our next item. Item 14, introduction of new items. This is an information item. I don't see anybody in the queue. So, Madam Clerk, please call our next item. Item 15, public comment. There's anybody in the chamber who'd like to come up and talk to us about item 15, please do. Commissioners, you're almost done with me for the day. I wanna call your attention to an SFCTA proposal to add a new lane to northbound 280 between 18th and 5th. Uh, on November 15th, a public outreach meeting was held and the SFCTA proposed uh, two possible ways to add an HOV lane. One, to add a new lane using buffer space at the side of the highway, and two, converting an existing lane. And staff suggested that the addition of the new lane was the likely option to be selected at that, at that uh, presentation. The streets this new lane would dump out into are already packed. The SFCTA's Congestion Explorer tool shows second, third, and fourth as already being significantly congested during AM and PM peak hours. As you know, third, fourth, and King are all in the high injury network and in that a four-year-old girl was killed at fourth and King tragically last year. The off-ramp where this traffic will dump out goes directly into this network that's congested and that's unsafe already. We do not need another lane. We cannot expand the amount of capacity on our city streets. Adding an HOV lane will take cars out of the existing lanes, creating new space for new cars to backfill, adding more VMT, adding more tire emissions, adding more CO2 emissions. This is not what we need as a city. In 2013, Mayor Ed Lee proposed tearing down 280 north of 16th. 2016's rail yard alternatives and I-280 Boulevard feasibility study from SF Planning included knocking down the 280 stub. Most recently, State Senator Scott Weiner asked Caltrans to consider alternatives to many of the city's highways. 
it's time to set our vision on transitioning away from car centricity. Rather than increase highway capacity, we need to be building transit lanes, faster rail connections, and returning our city to the residents that live there. Please oppose any plans to add more lanes to 280 or other highways in the city. Thank you. Let's see if we have any remote public comment on item 15. Checking for remote public comment on item 15. Hi, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Yes, is this general public comment? Yes. Thank you. My name is David Hooper. I'm calling on behalf of the new Mission Terrorist Improvement Association. I'm calling in particular to thank the people at the CTA, Stephen Chun, Lily Chang, Joel Ramos, and Bryant Wu and Damon Curtis of the SFMTA for the work they've done in our community to increase pedestrian safety. Particularly, I want to say thank you for the activation of the traffic signals on Alamini at Teresa last Thursday. <clears throat> um, unfortunately, this Sunday evening, there was a fatal pedestrian, uh, pedestrian fatality at the intersection of Alamini and Rousseau where a traffic signal is being. This traffic signal could be expedited. And I'd also like to say that the SFMTA itself is dragging its feet on improving pedestrian safety on our portion of San Jose Avenue. Their response to us has been inadequate. So thank you to the people at the SFCTA. Thank you, caller. Hi, caller. Your two minutes begins now. All right, good morning, members of the board, and thank you for your service to the transportation needs of those who live and work in San Francisco. I wanted to alert the board to last week's media coverage of the proposed highway widenings in our area. This includes TV segments on ABC7 News Getting Answers, NBC Bay Area, and Telemundo, as well as two articles in the San Antonio Daily Journal. All segments included criticism of highway widening projects as not delivering congestion relief, diverting scarce transportation funds from much needed projects that would fill potholes on existing streets, keeping transit efficient and affordable, and making our streets safer for those who walk in the face of rising fatality numbers. I also wanted to alert the board of the many local groups that have opposed the proposed highway widening of 280 and Petrero Hill, Mission Bay, and surrounding neighborhoods. These include neighborhood associations such as the Petrero Booster Association, the Dog Patch Neighborhood Association, and Kids Safe SF, environmental groups such as Sierra Club, San Francisco League of Conservation Voters, California Environmental Voters, and Physicians for Social Responsibility, transportation groups such as the San Francisco Bike Coalition, Friends of Caltrain, Seamless Bay Area, and Streets for People, and also several elected officials have spoken out, including San Mateo County Supervisor Dave Canepa, uh, he's also an MTC board member, South San Francisco Mayor James Coleman, East Bay Transportation Leader John Bowders, as well as the current or former mayors of Millbrae, Hillsboro, Foster City, Half Moon Bay, and Menlo Park. Also, congressional candidates, uh, con congressional candidate and former San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo spoke out last week against highway widening. I hope that SFCTA will follow these community groups and electeds and oppose the proposed widening of Highway 280 in San Francisco. Thank you. Thank you, caller. There is no more public comment. All right, public comment on item 15 is closed. Madam Clerk, please call our next item. Item 16, adjournment. We are adjourned. <laughs>